The HouseDog.com Real Estate Show with Brian and Mackenzie Crabtree. HouseDog.com, it's the Thanksgiving week edition of our program, The Real Estate Show. Thank you for tuning in, Metro Atlanta. I'm Brian, and Mackenzie is right over there. I'm right over here. Yeah, over there in the uh, chair. And uh, we're going to talk about really the kind of the end of the year preview. We start kind of setting you up for what the real estate market's going to look like into next year, how we perform this year. And just to, to, to do that, we're going to do mortgages first, and then we'll kind of uh, roll from there. Kevin Gleason joining us now from Bright Path Mortgage, brightpath.com here in Metro Atlanta. Kevin, good to have you back. Good to be here again. Hey, right. Kevin, I have a quick question, and I had this on my calendar. I've had this on my calendar since like July. We had talked okay. to you originally about refinancing our primary residence, and you said there was like a, it was like a shotgun loan or something that was, it was like a lot easier than a regular loan, but we had to pay all of our taxes at closing. So you had said you need to wait till like the day after you pay taxes. And so I think we're like three days after. Yeah, no, you're right. And what we're talking about was a streamlined refinance. Um, So you essentially take the loan that you have in place and it's much lower documentation, much fewer documents are required. It's a lot quicker process, no appraisals required. Uh, And in essence, you refinance exactly the loan amount that you have. So not a penny more. Uh, most people, when they do a refinance, if their taxes are due, they may add that to the loan amount so they don't have to write that check at closing. Maybe uh, this time of year or just recently was tax season. So once those taxes are paid, you no longer have that tax bill due. Uh, you can refinance for the balance and not have to worry about bringing any additional cash to the closing table. You got it. That's, that's what makes sense. So that's something that a lot of people might consider. Where are the rates uh, right now? Have they, have they stayed in the threes? I, I you know, I... I from one day to the next, they seem to bounce around from like three and a quarter to three seven five. Is that still the case? Yeah, that's still the case. We still got great raise uh, in the threes. Uh, rate, rates have been they trended up just a little bit, but they're still historically very very low. Uh, and we're actually what we're starting to see now over the last say week or so, really since the uh, the election, has been kind of this influx now of ARM customers, people wanting to come back in saying, hey, I can still get a rate maybe in the mid to low threes, a five-year arm. We might be out of the house in a few years, and it makes sense. That makes sense if it's a three- to five-year loan, but it, but it seems to me that uh, the thought process and the reaction to the Trump uh, election, uh, President-elect Trump, is that the that interest rates probably would go higher under his type of policy especially with the repeal, perhaps, of Dodd-Frank, which we'd all love. that would be a good thing. It would be good if rates went up because of the fact that that would mean the economy could could stand it and embrace it, meaning the the economy would be much stronger. Do you agree with that? How do you think all that plays in, if you had to take a guess? I I, I agree with that. I I think that over the long term, they they do have to trend up at some point. I think there was some initial reaction. Uh, Most people had baked in the other side of the equation winning that election. Uh, I think we all kind of saw the pundits on TV and their 60%, 70%, 80% chances of one party winning. Uh, Zero percent. And so now that the opposite of that has happened, you're seeing some some pretty big repricing uh, rates. You're seeing the same thing happen with the stock market and a lot of fluctuation there uh, since then. So once that's all digested in, uh, I'm I'm hoping we're going to settle right back down. We're talking to Kevin Gleason, Bright Path Mortgage in Atlanta, brightpath.com. How's the end of the year looking? Um, I've had some attorneys tell me they've got a lot of closings on the books, record-breaking November. Uh, are you seeing the same, or or what's uh, what's happening in your neck of the woods from a standpoint of mortgage? I 
I uh, actually have. We're all just going over this here in my office. And the last say, three weeks of closing uh, have been off the charts. Uh, we will start to see it slow down again after Thanksgiving. I think the buyers that are out there are serious buyers, and yep. they may want to close quick. Uh, they're not kicking tires, but we did just finish out this huge kind of summer run, which really bled right into the fall, um, which has been nice, but it's been a flurry of business recently. So I have a question about FHA loans coming up here at the end of the year. So normally it takes about 45 days to close something. So we have Thanksgiving, we've got Christmas. What kind of a time allotment, if we have buyers putting offers in, should we kind of give for them? Well, I can speak for us. I know we're less than 30 days. Really? Um, one of the, yeah, one of the good things about going on right now, again, with us, we do all in writing in-house. So your file does not go to Jacksonville or Cincinnati or wherever. And we've actually caught back up, pushed through this huge mega pipeline that we've really had all summer. Um, and that stand out a little bit, which is enabling us to close. I can certainly get them closed in 30 days or less uh, starting today. Uh, even even with Thanksgiving and Christmas and appraisers Before and all that, you know, things that are outside yeah. of your control, you, you, you feel like it's a 30-day window even with those uh, anomalies in place. Well, you, you hit on the one part that, that can sometimes slow it down is the appraisal. Okay. Everything else we can do, uh, we can get the attorneys with the title, we can get that stuff done. Uh, and really what happens with the appraisers is when that appraiser calls you, you know, I try to instruct my borrowers and my buyers, they have to be a little proactive and say, hey, here's the deal, I need you out here on Friday. Not next Friday. Yeah, you got to, you, you know, put a lot, that's a, that's good advice. If you're trying to buy something or refinance, get it done in a certain time frame, you've got to give a little polite guilt trip to the appraisers because I don't want to tick them off, but they tend to be the lazier bunch because they just accept the orders. Yeah, but from at the same guys. time, they want to get repeat business and they know that if they, you know, make some accommodations, especially if they can. What's the difference well, that, if they do yours or somebody else's that, by Friday? That's a good point because we we talked to Steve Quarles, who's who who manages Bright Path Mortgage, and uh, in one of our interviews there, we talked about how they go through the appraisal selection process, and they they don't get to choose which appraiser goes out to the home, but they get to choose the C of appraisers, and if there's a bad one, yeah, they, they can work, they can definitely tell you he's not going to be going they, to the home. They right? can't just say, "Well, this one's the one we're going to use because he always gives us the better value." That's what was happening before the Great Recession, and and so they don't allow us to do that anymore. But uh, but but that does influence the speed, I guess, because you guys have a network of appraisers that you've elected to join. Sure. Yeah, yeah you, you nail it. So when when we do that initial part, we may instruct, "Hey, this buyer is leaving town on such and such date. We need this appraisal done quickly." And when you put those order out, depending on what appraiser, you can have that done. Now I'm not. I'm going to ask you, Kevin uh, Gleason, with us by the way, BrightPath.com, BrightPath Mortgage in Atlanta. I'm not going to ask you to wade into political opinion, but but unless you want to, but how how much effect, uh, good or bad, did this election and and the fact that you know it looked like Hillary's going to win and then Trump won has that have you seen any sentiments inside you know the way the behavior of these borrowers that you've worked with how is that how is that in your view how's that turned out? Well, truthfully, I haven't seen much. I mean, normally when I'm speaking to a borrower, as I'm sure you could probably understand, when we get on the phone, they're busy and I'm busy. Uh, and it's usually a, I try to make it as quick as possible and as efficient as possible. And so it doesn't often migrate into political talk. But, uh, you know, if I make a phone call, hey, we might need this document. Hey, let's get you closed. Well, I haven't really waded that much into it with most of my borrowers. You know, I have a friend in California who was doing a deal with a guy who had to come back he got like a work visa 
And he said that he's canceling his contract because he was afraid that his whole family was going to get deported. <laughs> and I was like, awful. come on. I, yeah. I don't I don't know. There, I, I was one. That's kind of what I was looking for. If anyone had, so you haven't had anybody bring it up and you certainly wouldn't bring it up, I'm sure. So you, you haven't had anybody bring it up and say, I'm not closing because of this election or I'm worried about the election or the outcome of the election is one way or the other shaping my I mean, my view on buying a house. You I, haven't encountered I, I, that. The, the only the only experience I've had with it so far has been I've had a couple of borrowers. As you can imagine, Atlanta's a really growing population for movies and entertainment. Um, they're doing a lot of movies here, a lot of TV shows here. Uh, and I've had a couple of borrowers from that industry moving from California. Uh, to my surprise, uh, when the election results were out, uh, they actually were very happy about the results. I thought it was going to be the huh. opposite, and of course... I didn't bring it up at all because it's not my business. I'm here to try to. That's why they're leaving California. Well, on, right? on, the, on the weekday show, I was shocked. On the weekday show, how, I I had the closet Trumpers theory, and I, I suggest there's plenty of people who may appear to be a supporter of one side, and they supported the eventual uh, president elect. I, I I've, I've I've experienced that so uh, quite a bit because I do wade into politics, whereas you're probably much wiser not to. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to stay out of it, but I really that was interesting to me. I found that little. I actually experiment that little experience to be, I was surprised. Well, come uh, on. I mean, was, they're, they're moving from California, yeah. Kevin. Of course they're coming. You know, if they're coming to Georgia from California. They look at the tax bill they're going to get here. They go, right? oh, man, big upgrade. I can buy a house with all those free, well, with that, all those relieved taxes now. And now all their tax ironically, Well, ironically, what you just said, they were shocked when they came out here at what they could buy compared to Los Angeles. Not only is it they cheaper. It's not only cheaper, but if they're on a top-end tax bracket in California, which it's not that hard to get to with the wages out there, it's a 6% uh, income tax here in Georgia versus 13. So if you're making, you know, 300 grand a year, that's $21,000 in your pocket. You're not paying the state of California anymore by, by being a Georgia resident. So. Yeah, and you figure you do the quick math on that. You that's could go easily to a mortgage payment and have no changes to your life any different and get yourself a nice home here. So that was, uh, they were surprised. And I, and I was actually surprised at the enthusiasm, not just the endorsement of who won, but they were actually excited about it. So that that's the only experience I've had so far All with, right. with right. any of my borrowers. Kevin Gleason with us, Bright Path Mortgage, brightpath.com. Finally, as we look forward into next year, 2017, what, what's it looking like now? Is, is, is volume slowing down a lot or is it just the seasonal uh, expected uh, decrease uh, what's the what's the enthusiasm for home purchasing as you're seeing it now? Because you guys get it about a month, maybe two weeks before we do. Real estate people get involved uh, after usually the mortgage people have have done a little work. So you're you're a good indicator of what we might see in say January. What, what do you think? And, and, and it's interesting how you bring up that lag because I'm about two weeks behind uh, what the borrower actually does. So. I'm now starting to see a little bit of a pick up, whereas I was starting to see a slowback two weeks ago because people didn't want to deal with it before Thanksgiving. So now I'm kind of past Thanksgiving, even though we aren't, and I'm starting to get a little bit of influx of borrowers say, hey, we want to go out next weekend with our agent. We want to go out you know, the Monday after Thanksgiving and, and get this done. I always so say this. I always say this: that the, the, the holiday season, against conventional wisdom, is one of the best times oh, to have yeah. your home listed because there's Super less inventory. Serious. A lot of people pull it off for the holidays, and the buyers are that are there's not that many fewer buyers. Maybe it's seventy, sixty-five, seventy percent of what we see in the summertime. But then you have half as many houses theoretically in some of these neighborhoods because they all get pulled off the market. So you have 
more per capita of homes available, you have more buyers and it's, well, you get more it. money sometimes. They're going to move during their Christmas vacation. Maybe their kids are in school and they've got to transfer at that point. It's a good point to transfer at. You can start new in January. People have new contracts. I mean, it happens. Hey, it Kevin, happens. a final question. What's like a standard good credit score, top of the top of the credit, uh, 15-year mortgage? I heard a rate the other day. I want to see if it's if it's really that low. What, what's What's the rate there on that? I mean, uh, you're still seeing them in the low threes. You're seeing some in the high twos, but understand that uh, depending on those, you're going to have certain loan limits. For example, it, it might be below a certain loan versus value of the home uh, or a certain loan size. Some places will advertise that, and if you look at the fine print, they want your loan to be 300000 or more to get those. So I, if uh, I had a – it's possible then if I had a four dollars $500,000 mortgage in Alpharetta, I could get a 2.75, 2.875 – on a perfect day, I could get that in a 15-year fixed-rate mortgage. Yeah, it, it, it is out there. You probably now, after the election, you know, you might have to pay a little bit to get that because um, I know that a lot of those advertising, uh, that was cut, you know, one, two, three weeks ago. Um, so if, so I, don't, I, if I don't want to pay an origination fee, I'm one of no-cost kind of, kind of uh, origination, then it'd be probably 3, 3.1, something like that. Still, yeah, you're in the low three. So yeah, that's, that's about right. That's dirt cheap. I wanted to bring that up because I knew you were going to give me a, a really shockingly low number. So if someone's got the wherewithal to make a little bit greater payment, they can pay it off much faster and get a, a ridiculously ro- low rate right now. Well, Kevin, yeah, uh, gonna, go ahead. No, that's it. No, that's why I always tell borrowers, don't ever confuse a higher payment with wasting money. Because a, a lot of that payment's principal on a 15-year, and that's just instant savings. That's our last our last house before the place we're living in now was 15-year, and it was amazing over, over two and a half, three years, how much we paid off just in making mortgage payments. It was really mind-boggling. So uh, anyway, Kevin Gleason with us. Uh, we, we highly recommend him here on the HouseDog.com real estate show. Go to BrightPath.com. And uh, just just check out, uh, look for Kevin on there, and you can uh, reach out, make a quick application online, brightpath.com. Good to have you here, Kevin. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. More of the housedog.com real estate show coming up. Don't go away. The housedog.com real estate estate show with Brian and Mackenzie Crabtree. All right, we're back talking housing, real estate, mortgage, and and really politics, too, because it it all has an impact, you know. Mackenzie, I think you were t- the first one that enlightened me to this, what? but there was some conversation fairly immediately out of President-elect Trump about really unraveling Dodd-Frank. And uh, Dodd-Frank, I, I, I oh, knew... Oh, that email went out like two days after. Two days after he won. And I knew that was going to be a big factor because if you are anywhere near the mortgage and real estate business, commercial or residential, with your primary income source, you are disgusted by Dodd-Frank <laughs> and what it's done to the industry. I mean, it's destroyed the thing. It's made this business, which used to be Much rewarding harder. rewarding for buyers and sellers. I mean, it used to be, I think back to 2004, because I, I don't want to give credit to those boom years, 05 through 07, and 08 through 13, 12 or 13, 2008 through 2012 to be exact, were, were such destructive years. You really can't judge anything based upon what happened in those years. You had a boom and a bust. So you have right. to compare 2004, before it really took off for most of the South, to now. And in those, you know, if you compare 13, 14, 15, and 16, those four years, and then 2004, it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, people, you you really don't want your clients sitting at the same closing table together because a lot of people can't get along. And it's, I just, I just remember everybody used to leave these closings and everyone was happy. The seller was happy. They got a check. The buyer was happy. They got a deal. 
you know, the attorney was happy. They didn't have to go through all of this craziness asking for a million documents. The agents all got along. I mean, everybody went out for a drink after yeah, I mean, closing gifts. It, it, it was great. It wasn't so much in, so much red tape. And two things have happened. You've got uh, an incredible, well, let me start backwards. You, you've got so much regulation, mostly at the federal level, but then the state kind of piles on in its own application of this. And then the, the real estate companies have had to go from spending a lot of effort, energy, and money in training agents to keeping them in compliance so they don't get sued. And this is what happens at every business in America, not just housing. It just happens to be this is a high liability business. And so you have all these real estate companies now. They have forgotten that the most important goal is to teach people who come to work for them as independent contractors how to be effective as salespeople. And there's two things about being effective as a salesperson. Number one is being good at closing deals and being able to talk people into doing business with you because you are able to solve their problems and eliminate issues and obstacles that come up in a transaction. And what's happening now is that there's no focus on any of that anymore. It's all on how to complete the paperwork the stupid government's requiring. And it is at the top commission taking orders rather than consulting and asking questions, buyers and sellers come to us to ask questions because they don't know. I mean, maybe they know like the basics, but maybe they want to know some of the back doors and well, why I, are know, the reasons for them doing this, this and this. I and don't think they do really. I, I disagree I, with you I there. Know. I think there are, and I said this to My someone, clients still do. I said this to someone I've been working with off and on uh, for years I've been really working with them. They just called me for some counsel and if they ever need mm -hmm. to sell their house, they'll sell it with me kind of thing. And, and I given them some free advice and I spent some time on the phone with a person. I said, you know, it, it's really turned into a situation where everyone that you interact, not everyone, but most people except my radio listeners, we have radio listeners. They tend to think logically like we do uh, because these, these shows are airing on predominantly conservative stations. And so you have conservative politically minded people who realize that all of this that we're talking about is what's causing the greatest harm to our, our families, our culture, our economy, our kids, our future. And so they connect to what we're saying and they've, they've been able to listen to us talk and they go, oh, these people sound like they know what they're doing. When you don't have this kind of exposure and you're just the average agent out there, we have the benefit and the blessing of the radio audience. But then when you move off the radio, and by the way, the only downside to our radio fans when we do business with them is they're just as fiery as we are. So if you ever have an argument, it's going to be fireworks, right? Right. But then, oddly, you can get over it. You're like, okay, Maya, I don't have a big enough ego to really worry about what we said to each other yesterday because we got a deal to do. Let's, let's forget about that. Water under the bridge and get it done. That's the way America used to work. And so there's still some of that. People make fun of the talk radio crowd, but it's really one of the most uplifting groups of people because they're real, Right. Then yes. you move over here to the people that, you know, your regular marketing on Google and AdWords and social media and your mail outs and all the stuff that we do in the real estate business. And it's hit or miss. You may find someone that's not been exposed to you on radio that thinks like you and that's that's great. And then they find that out. It's a bonus. Or you find the liberal that you had last week who was wanting to invest. We talked about this, I think. Mm -hmm. And, oh, no, I've found out you're not a Hillary supporter. I couldn't possibly do business with you. I still shake my head about that. That is just crazy. And I'm, I'm like... like Really? I, and I said it last week. I'll say it again for those that weren't listening. It's amazing to me that this still hap that this is happening more and more because my response has gotten to be pretty bluntly to those people. Well, that's great. Um, I so was like, okay. In the time that I would have spent working with you, I'll be buying my own house, applying my own knowledge and my own advice. I would have given you to my own deal, making my own money without giving you any of it. Okay. 
So if that's how you do business, I'll keep doing business and winning and you'll keep running into losers who will drive you off a cliff financially, if not literally. So that's the America we're in. We have the haves and the have nots and the haves aren't the richest. They're just the people that make good selections so that their life isn't in Open constant decision. turmoil and chaos. What the hell does do I care whether if I'm doing business and I've said this for years on the radio, if I'm doing business, do I care if someone's a Hillary or a Bernie supporter? Not really. Do I care if they're gay? No. Do I care if they believe in abortion or don't believe in? I don't. I'm not God. I'm not supposed to be judging these people. God can do that later. All I've got to do is help them get from point A, a to point B in a real estate transaction. And as long as we share some mutual respect there, that's all that matters. So if they are Hillary supporters and they're like complaining about the taxes and stuff like that. I, mean, I might point it out, okay. but I'm not going to rub, rub, their, rub their nose in it, yeah. you know. I might point out Dodd-Frank was voted on by, I think, well, Hillary was gone and she was Secretary of State at that point. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get into politics unless someone brings it up and it's going to be productive, right? And and what, but this is the way we're, we're operating our country now. And it's really bad. My best friend from college, I just love the guy to death. He's a Bernie guy. He was a Bernie guy. He hates Hillary, hates Trump. How many deals are we doing with him though? I have to go on trips with him and sit there and listen to this stuff. We, we. And it's, but, but it's respectful. It is. He disagrees. We'll have an argument. It's like friends fighting over whose football team is the best. That's how politics used to be. I like the Falcons. You like the Titans. I, you know, you like this quarterback. You like Brady. I liked uh, Manning and we'd fight over who was the best. And it's the same. That's how politics were 20, 30 years ago, by and large. Now it's like, if you like the Falcons, I can never speak to you again. Well, you like the Titans and you're the scum of the earth. Dallas Cowboy fans are all crooks. I've heard that this week. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. HouseDog.com in the meantime. The HouseDog.com Real Estate Estate Show with Brian and Mackenzie Crabtree. HouseDog.com is our website. We invite you to check out our selling tab. If you're thinking about selling a home anytime in the next year or two, get some free advice, some tips, some thought processes, kind of help you build a foundation of knowledge that's not a bunch of sales pitches and propaganda and clutter. We do that as a free resource. You don't have to log in. You don't have to tell us who you are. You click it, you play it, you hear it, you see it, and you're enlightened. And you know what I love about you, though, Brian, is that we, we do this all the time. We, we purchase investments. We fix them up. We resell them. And you are so generous with your information. You, you don't, like, hoard it and keep it in. If, if anyone called you and said, hey, I just have a real estate question, your little eyes you know, start dazzling your ears perk up and you're like, how can I help? Well, people who love what they do, I don't love what I do in the context of dealing with other real estate agents and on clients, but, but, but most of the time it's other real the estate fun agents. part, right? But, but the fun part of this business is helping people get done what they want to do and, and having someone humble themselves to say, I know, I know the, this, this amount, either I'm a very experienced or B not very experienced, but intermediate, or I don't know anything. And if people just kind of admit where they are in the spectrum, then you know immediately how to counsel them and, and, and how to talk to them and talk them through how to make the decisions. I don't believe in telling people what to do. I believe in telling them how to make the decision. And it sounds like I'm telling them what to do. In a sense, I guess I am, because I'm saying you should think about this. You yeah, should but talk you, to you're this just person. Telling them what you know. You know, I but, heard this morning I was walking out the door and I heard you on the phone. Somebody said short sale and you were like, ooh. And so you were able to, to give them your yeah. advice. So, And I'm going to bring this one up. And she's committed to giving me the, the, the documents uh, that, that she can release. 
Um, so I've been dealing with her since 2010. Um, wow. What and, happened? And, well, I can't tell you okay. yet because I told her I wouldn't give her her name. Coming. Yeah, right. but it's, it's the type of thing that yeah. I, I, I do it partly. Sometimes I indulge conversations, some that are really awful, and I'm able to stay calm even though they're really awful. That would tick off the average person, including me, because it's, I want to I see it through to the end and recognize that I'm not indulging this person because they're worth indulging. I'm indulging it because I want to take from it a lesson to share with my vast audience through Twitter and social media and the radio programs. And that helps me now, this day and age, stay calm as that has somewhat eclipsed in size what I'm known for versus real estate. Uh, by contrast, when someone's humble and listening and they want advice and they want to win, and there's some trust in there, which is hard to get, but it's there, then it's rewarding. And there's only one thing about this business that either meets or exceeds the money of it is helping people and feeling rewarded and appreciated. I mean, you can't just live off of, of, of feeling appreciated. You got to have the money too. But I think that's every business in America. The problem in the real estate business is both driven by the many consumers out there who make rash decisions, don't take their time, and is also driven by the seedy, scummy people who the are in the Emotional decisions, too. And I got to tell you, um, I can't get into the details of this particular conversation I had this week, but it, it conjured up the evening before when I got off the air um, on my weekday show, the Brian Crabtree Show on Biz 1190 and AM 920, The Answer. And I, I had to make a call to Chase Bank because it's been a long time since I've actually had to call and deal with a short sale. And um, Chase, I can't stand, at least from a mortgage standpoint. I don't know anything about them as a bank. Um, it, it's actually far worse than Wells Fargo on the short sale side. And I, my assistant, who is extremely competent, has been dealing with this file. And anything I ever give her, she finishes. Like she, I don't need to. She may ask me a lot of questions and drive me nuts. But at the end of the day, she asks smart questions. She gets sure. it done. And if she doesn't understand something, she has the, the intelligence to say, she's very competent. I don't understand what you just yeah. asked me. And here is, she's very blunt and direct. So I, it's been, it's been great. She's been with us for four years yeah. or longer. And so I, 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 it's, it's, it was shocking to me. I already knew what I was walking into that. I was having to call that I'm already going to have to put on the horns and play Donald Trump or worse. And um, I got on the phone and the first person, well, we can't discuss the short sale with you. I said, well, you know, right here, right here in my hands is the letter of authorization from the two borrowers that says you can. Well, we have a code in the system that says we can't. And I, like, I started asking them questions. I still, I certainly, I can't answer any of those questions and confirm or deny. I said, you don't have a right not to answer the questions because it is, a, it is as if you are speaking to the borrower now based upon my legal right on their behalf to speak to you. Well, I still can't talk to them. Who can? Right. So then you go to, well, I'll have such and such call you. I said, I don't want to wait for such and such to call me because she never calls. My assistant said she's never called three times. So I'm not going to wait for a never call four times. Get her on the phone now. And if she can't be available, find someone that is, that has the authority to speak to me. So five, six, seven, eight minutes. This is why I was late getting home last night because I couldn't leave. My phone was dead and I had to leave it on charge while I was on the phone with these idiots. Chase Bank. So I'm anyway, going to tell you a funny uh, REO uh, anyway, story right. after this about and, Chase. Too. Anyway, so um, basically I get to the second person who supposedly can help me and is a supervisor who fairly immediately says, I don't know why she said I could help you because I can't do it either. I've got to send you to a special department and I'll go get that department. And he for sure, this individual will be able to help you. So five, six, seven, eight more minutes on hold. 
Uh, and then I go to the next person and the next person shows up very nice guy. And, and, and he was lucky that he was so nice. I, I don't know if he was fake nice or real nice, but I took him as genuine because he seemed empathetic to everything I said in a very stern tone. And he never met any level of, 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 of raising of my voice with such on his end. So I was, I, I respected that. So I kept it toned down. He was down. in the correct position. Yeah. And so, but he's, I said to him at the end, I said, these, all these people keep telling us, well, we'll get you to the next person or the next person will call you back. And so-and-so will be able to talk to you. I said, you're basically saying on your website that we want to work with homeowners who are struggling in foreclosure and we want to help them get out of foreclosure and have a workout solution, either a modification, which these people don't qualify for, they can't afford it, or a short sale, and we're calling you. The borrowers have called you. We have called you. They're going through a divorce. It's it's final. They're, it's an all. These are the baggage left over. They've, they're nothing left. They've destroyed each other, and they're both cooperating with me, even if they're not cooperating with each other. But you won't tell any of us anything about the freaking file as to why you can't take our documents and process it with the investor. You don't even own the damn loan. Some investor owns it, and you're not doing your job. I'm sorry I'm upset, but I'm sick of it. I promise you I will follow up and make sure, and I will follow up after following up, that this person calls you back in the legal department who can explain it all to you. Excellent. Now, mind you, legal department, they've not filed foreclosure yet. They're just in foreclosure status. Right. So then maybe they've sent it to an attorney, but there's no legal action procedure. filed Absolutely. in the county. No, no, no attempt. And this thing hadn't had payments on it in three years, so... Something's wrong. Chase did it bad. They've been bad loan. They don't have the paperwork. They're trying to, you know, kick the can, not have to deal with it. It's that kind of thing. And then I get this call this week from someone I've been dealing with for years who had to go to court and sue the company. And I can't say any more than this. She's going to end up winning. Did she get her house back? Yes. Long time, I mean, it's traumatic. And I, I applaud this person for having the kind of resolve to stick it to those A yeah. buttholes at the bank. And it's not Chase, but it's one of the big ones. Uh, if I said the names, you'd recognize it. And, and at the end of the day, the conversation conjured up that political moment that I usually have with some of my clients who I know called me from radio. And she said to me, it is sad, Brian. The fact that all of these banks are running America and that all these rules have been crammed down. She said, I didn't say anything political. I didn't invite this. She said, all these rules have been crammed down like Dodd-Frank and such on all of us and all of the small businesses and, and, and these banks, it's like, it doesn't even exist for them. And, and what we're talking about and this, and I'm not saying this in relation to this deal, but when you look at Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley, which is part of Bank of America, I think, and Chase and Citibank and Wells Frago and all of these other banks out there, McKenzie, when you look at them, they're still doing whatever the hell they want. Look at what just so nothing happened. Nothing has changed look since what, 2007. Look at what just happened with Wells. Oh, I know. 2,200,000 unauthorized, illegal, fraudulent accounts opened by Wells Fargo employees, likely mostly pressured by superior management to meet their numbers, open it anyway, we'll get the signatures later. They came in and talked about it, open it, open the credit card, do it. Then no one followed up. If you're going to be a criminal, at least follow up to cover your tracks. Damn. 
and they don't follow up. And then all of these people get these bills with all this stuff. And the people who likely were directed through pressure and and, and in hostile work environment, the 5,300 employees, they get terminated. And all of these other people walk out with multi-million dollar corporate parachutes and no one is being prosecuted as a criminal. No one, just $185 million fine and a little bit of a black eye PR standpoint and Wells Fargo moves right on down the road. And that doesn't even, we don't even remember the 400 servicemen and women who had their cars repossessed due to a te- technical glitch while they were deployed overseas, which is illegal. It's illegal. And they, get, they do it and they get away with it and nothing happens. How is it that this country is so emotional, but when you're talking to anybody who's in the service industry for banks, they're so unemotional? I, I don't get that. You remember my, my Chase bank REO where the guy died in the house. Right. And the first question, I'll get him out. No, the first question that chase asked me two weeks later, are the smoke detectors working? Well, I, I mean, this was one of the last foreclosures I ever did. That's why I ceded all of it to you. It's yours, honey. You can have it. And some of them are great people. I see your relationships with some of them, and they're great, wonderful people. The ones that are around now still doing Oreos are the ones that survive. You're not doing business for uh, any of the people we're talking about. I'm not Chase. And and the last deal I think I ever had was with Chase. And two weeks after the closing, and I had already deposited my commission, it cleared the bank, and the buyer had moved into the home. They called up and said, we must have a report and you have, you have to go out to the home and inspect for smoke detectors. I mean, that's their biggest thing. It doesn't matter if somebody dies. I guess somebody died in a fire once and forevermore, two weeks right. after closing. And I, I, I said, But they don't even care they died in the I fire. Said, they said, just want to make sure that there's, you know, smoke yeah, because detectors there's are this, working. There's this legal opinion that floats around out there by all the lawyers that are ruining our society. The lawyers become politicians, by the way. They're all the same, except for a small percentage of them. And what they believe is that if we make this effort and show how aggressive we've been at smoke detectors, if anybody dies in a fire, we won't get sued. That is that this is how banks think. And this is what Dodd-Frank did. It gave a roadmap for criminality. It gave a roadmap for deception to the big banks who have teams, floors full of lawyers as to how to get away with it. My policy and anybody can will hear me in the Trump administration. And I'm going to I'm not I'm going to unofficially lobby for this. Keep Dodd-Frank for any bank with over $500 billion in collective total assets on deposit. Keep it. Yep. Where'd I get that number? I don't know. Out of my rear end. I don't know. Maybe it's 750 a billion rather. I meant billion, not million. 750 billion, 500 billion, 400 billion. I don't know what number it should be. The experts can figure that out. Make the big boys play by the rules that were created to stop them from distorting the rules in the future and let the little guys deal with banking the way they used to. You just went through a second mortgage. It's in your name. It's our property, but um, you just went through one. God forbid, if they would put me on it, it would have been three more months and a small local regional bank here in Georgia, who honestly is one of the, they're, it's, they're slow as hell, but they're, they're underwriting process and the guy doing the loan and the guy do, it's a construction deal. So it's not, we use bright path for everything else, but, but uh, they packaged the loan. They didn't ask me a single question that ticked me off. They didn't ask, they didn't ask stupid questions. They didn't do it. It just took forever because they had to underwrite it based upon high levels. They're underwriting construction loans based on Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac criteria. Does the law require that? No. But the reason they're doing it is because if there's a financial or banking crisis, they want to be able 
to say insured. that yeah. they not not insured because they still lose the money. They want to make sure that the government regulators don't come in and penalize them mm. in addition to their losses or charge them criminally because uh-huh. they don't they don't have the resources as a small regional bank to defend off these people like they do at Goldman or JP Morgan Chase or Citibank or such, Bank of America, because that's they 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 would go to jail, right? So instead of lending based upon this looks like a good loan, makes sense, we're done with it, one week of underwriting, we close in three weeks, they spend two months underwriting it to match Fannie Mae standards because it's a mountain of paperwork, not because they have to, but because they're scared to do it with anything less. Medium and small banks are being killed, and they're good banks, good people, not all of them, but most of them. They're being being, squeezed. They're being killed by the fact that they're competing in an environment where big banks can get away with anything and buy their way out of their own frauds. And no one in our government in the last eight years has done anything about it until someone starts going to jail for their criminality at big banks in America. We are going to continue to have you and you and you and everyone else outside of the the, the, the realm of this microphone subject to being screwed over and having their financial lives more complicated and made more difficult than necessary because the banks at the top will cheat. They're in bed with government, too. Do you realize how many people would be in jail? It'd be thousands. And, 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 and I get the fact that you can't go and simultaneously prosecute thousands. But the bankers who wrote emails admitting they had, not saying it in, in, a, in a forward sense, but saying, we got that one. We dumped that load of crap off on so-and-so yesterday. Robo-sign, you know, 2007. Meaning that they sold yeah. a AAA mortgage bond over to some group in, in Germany, yeah, which is a, got, probably has a, a, an American charter to do banking here, too. So let's call it American Bank, even though it's German-based. And then the next day, they're writing emails celebrating how they screwed them over, and they're shorting the same fund they just sold. That, that's, that's a criminal enterprise. It, it, you are you are defrauding people into a deal based upon information that you know is wrong. It's like saying, well, I haven't gone up in the attic to actually check to see if the roof is leaking. So the roof isn't leaking. Well, if every time it rains, there's water in the living room floor, then you know the roof is leaking. There's a leak in the house. You've got to tell the buyer, the prospective buyer, unless you're going to fix it, that there's a, there's a, there's a roof, roof leak, Right. You can't just say, well, I hadn't been up there and looked at it, so I don't know. It's not, I mean, it could be water coming. My kids could have dumped water on the floor every time it rains. Uh, I mean, that's how these banks think and operate. Well, you know, if, if, I don't, if I don't pay it any attention and I don't notice it and I don't investigate it, even though it's like there's a fire, there's smoke coming out of something, oh, it's not a fire. I'm not going to worry about it. Just, just blow some water on it. And, 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 and then we won't tell the buyer there's ever been a fire. That's how the banks, the big ones especially, operate. I'm not going to look to see what's wrong because once I know, I have to disclose. That's why they don't do inspections. Even though I know something's wrong. They don't want to know. They want the buyer to figure it out. You can't trust these scumbags. HouseDog.com Real Estate Show continues in a moment. The HouseDog.com Real Estate Show with Brian and Mackenzie Crabtree. HouseDog.com Real Estate Show. If you want to sell your home, just 2.4% commission. Mackenzie or me will be happy to come out of both and look at your home and give you a professional opinion. HouseDog.com, click on the What's My Home Worth or My Home's Value tab midway down our page. Or if you want to learn more about common pitfalls and problems in selling your home to avoid them so you don't face these problems, it's like getting all the problems that can occur in advance. Go to the Selling tab. We've got podcasts and videos. I want to read an email to you, Mackenzie. You and I haven't discussed this. 
And I was just thinking about it uh, during the show as I was talking about some of the frauds in the business. And I've talked about this particular deal at length over the last several shows. Texty, texty. Yeah, texty, texty. I knew it. For those of you that have been up at night. Well, no, he doesn't keep me up at night. Deal closed. My client's happy. They got what they they wanted. And so uh, there was a little issue with the buyer with the lockbox hadn't been removed. I thought my guy got it off. He emailed me, said, hey, uh, by the way, lockbox still there. And I said, you know what? Here's the code. You can keep it in case you need it for, you know, yeah. spare key somewhere. And he says, by the way, I'm having to sue so-and-so texty, texty. Really? Yeah. And blankety blank company as uh, texty, texty deliberately defrauded me out of 5,400 bucks. And I, I'm aware of this, this money. I knew it was going to happen. He advised once we had to remove the uh, agent contribution because the bank advised we had too many loan credits. We couldn't lower the price anymore. I recommended asking the seller we low it, and he said just, just he'll just give him a check. I mean, I'm summarizing here. Thereby getting the home for $5,400 less uh, had he given the check. He told us he couldn't do that, and he would give us the, 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 the rebate, the commission, which is legal. It's, it's legal for an agent to give a, or a company to give so a rebate. So it's going to be paid by the agent. Agent. So if, if, if someone is my, and, and, and this is different state to state, but in, in some states, if, if you're in Georgia, I'm pretty confident it's the case because I, I see people doing it all the time that are big firms. If you go to, go to work for an agent and they, their promotion is I charge 6%, but I'll give you 1% back, which is the same as what we charge 2.4. We just give you the break off the top uh, in a sense. But let's just say we said with 3%, but we'll give you the 0.6 at closing once it's successful, which would make no sense. Then yeah. that's, that's legal, right? Because it, it's, it's one-on-one. It's funky it, math, it's the, but it's, it's legal. client and agent, right? It's just, it's kind of, I don't like doing it because it's, it, it opens up the door for confusion. So um, he told us he couldn't do it. Who which, couldn't do it? Which now I know is illegal. And his excuse, this was the funny thing. This is the kind of excuses he gave me anytime he didn't like what I had to say. You guys, quote, you guys have money. I'm only 20-something, it says a certain age, and huh. need the money, end quote. This guy goes, what a criminal. And now he refuses to answer my calls over $5,400. They just bought a well in excess of a half a million dollar home. Huh. So, um, I, you know what I said? My gut, I saw that coming. What a waste of time for you, but you should go after the money. And if you need an affidavit from me, even though you're not my client, I'll be happy to provide it for you. You'll be happy to email it and not text it. Have it notarized and even show up and waste my time in court so this guy can learn a lesson. Because he put me and my client, and and this guy too, his own client. Seems like so he much caused help. disruption for everybody. I could tell. I knew. I knew throughout the transaction. Every time there was a conversation about the crazy way he wrote this contract, it was all about commission. And I'm like, dude, just shut up about the commission. You're going to get paid. I'm not going to screw you. Nobody's going to screw you. You're going to get your money. He winds up screwing everybody. Do else. your job. Do your job, and you will. You will almost always get paid in this business. In my career. I have only had, out of 5,000 transactions, and I may be off by a couple of deals here, five to 10, maybe, where I was compelled to sue a client of mine for screwing me out of a commission. And only once did we get to the point of doing it and we settled. Once. That was one with you and I back in South Carolina. Because you're usually able to resolve. So out of 5,000 deals, a pittance of a pittance of time, have I ever been screwed out of my commission? Because you work. Right? 
Now I've had arguments and all that, but I've all, any disputes we've always been able to resolve person to person. This guy basically spent his entire time worried about the freaking commission. And my point here is, is that's the problem with real estate agents out there is they're so focused on their commission. They never get to see many of them because you have to do your job in any industry, especially sales. If you want to get a lot of commissions and when you spend all your time focused on the result and the outcome of a deal, and not the process and the activities of the deal. Servicing your clients. You never get paid. Wow. I, t- I taught my, I, you know, I taught every I agent that ever walked in my company that lesson. And, and yeah. they took it to heart and did far better. Housedog.com in the meantime. I, I, I pray for this guy. Housedog.com. If you're thinking about selling a home, want more resources, search for homes online. And click on our selling tab. Have a great weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.